Are you looking to have an impact, to change the planet, and be wealthy while you do it? Are you looking to shift your mindset, change your story or your lifestyle, build a tribe both around you and a tribe of people who you can serve, or just develop personal mastery? Well, I felt the same way, and I didn't want to let schooling get in the way of my education. I wanted to build a school that I wish I could have gone to. I wanted to, to upgrade my reality into an unlimited dream space in which we can tackle the world's biggest problems. You see, the five-year-old that lives within me would have been ecstatic for what came next. I ended up creating Superhero Academy, an online school with in-person events in which we train entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to grow their businesses and build world-changing movements. You see, I believe that entrepreneurs can take on the world's biggest challenges, solve billion-person problems, as people like Peter Diamandis would say, and build the world that we know is possible in our hearts. Build what we can and play a role in shifting our world towards a more sustainable future. I believe that this is done collaboratively, and education and knowledge play an enormous part in that, just like in learning an art, maybe like Taekwondo. You see, we developed the school to be like a belt system, from white belt to black belt, where people go through the different stages of their journey and are taught by the people who have previously completed some of the different stages that they are headed towards. As we build this school, we are building superheroes. In fact, I feel like I have the best job title in the world, to be a superhero engineer and to help people like you achieve your dreams. So, I have a question for you. What do you think you can make possible that was once impossible in your mind? What do you think you can achieve if you were a superhero? Welcome to the Superhero Academy Podcast on the Valhalla Movement Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Superhero Academy's podcast. And today, like always, we've got another amazing guest. And I think it's going to blow your mind. I think I think there's some interesting topics surrounding today's guests that really are going to expand your comfort zone and also where you should be focusing some of your energy, maybe your investments and and your time. And I know that this is going to blow your mind because this person happens to be one of my great friends as well. Somebody I've spent some time chatting with on numerous different occasions. Um, Without further ado, Brian Franklin, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today, and congratulations on the on the uh, book launch. Oh, thank you so much, and I'm super happy to be here, uh, and happy to uh, be teaming up with you. I know well, we're so in alignment on so many things that um, uh, this is going to be, I think, a great message for, for your audience, as your messages have been in the past for ours. Absolutely, absolutely. So... Before we dive into the book, before we dive into the premise of the book, I want to talk a little bit about your history, about your story, just about the journey that brought you to where you are today and what brought you to kind of 
be inspired to write the book in the first place. And, you know, tell me a little bit more about where did this all come from? Where did this journey begin for you? Well, you know, I, uh, I've always had a different approach to wealth and to success and to, um, uh, and just to the pursuit of being happy where I, I trusted my own kind of rebellious heart more than the messages that I got from the establishment. Mm. And, you know, I, I, you know, many of us had that to some degree. I had it to a pretty great degree such that I've never even had a W-2. I've never had a job. I was in college and I looked at the kind of jobs I could get, you know, as I was getting out of college. And then I looked at the kind of businesses I knew how to start uh, just from, you know, I was already in college getting paid on the side to do this and that. And I happened to be doing some work in the sound industry, doing, um, you know, in the entertainment world, doing sound design for TV and film, like little student projects and stuff like that. They'd give me 500 bucks here, 1,000 bucks there. But I realized I could actually make more money if I just did that than if I could get a job as at a sound company. Um, so I just started creating it myself and trying stuff and kept asking my quest, myself the question, like, how can I create the most value for Um, even though it doesn't always look like that on the front end, it always feels like that on the back end, right? So, um, so I just kept kept iterating that and iterating that. And um, you know, I remember uh, in 1999, uh, the dot coms were going crazy. Enron was the most valuable company in the world, and uh, you know, there was a new uh, dot com that was uh, going to the moon every other uh, every other week. There were 17-year-olds on the cover of Fast Company who were, you know, having IPOs in their, for their company, stuff like that, right? This is <laughs> Crazy time, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, people thought I was kind of dumb for having this service business, you know, in the entertainment industry where I didn't, I didn't sell any of my stock uh, to employees or to investors. I didn't have .com at the end of my name. I wasn't doing some new disruptive anything. I was just plain old making a little bit more money than I spent and doing the best quality work I could do. And then, and then dot, what they called in Silicon Valley, dot bomb hit in 2000. And all these companies started going out of business. Enron was unveiled as the, as the fraud that it was. Uh, you know, all of that came apart. And suddenly I was a genius for not doing all of those things. <laughs> you know, so I went from an idiot to a genius in about four months. Um, <laughs> In, in, and uh, and then you know the timing is right, so I started to uh, advise CEOs uh, on startups on how to put back the ethic of actually providing value uh, to employees and to customers as the no number one purpose of the company. You know how do you develop employees to make them be extraordinary, and then have, have as a byproduct of that extraordinariness, high value and service to the customers to make the world a better place. Mm. And, and um, uh, that, that kind of everyone thought it worked one way, but the, and, and it seemed to for a while, but then the bubble popped and, and we all realized that the deeper values that our hearts felt were right in the first place turned out to be correct. Um, 
I started to look for where else in the world does that pattern repeat itself and nowhere is that more prevalent, more, I would say, dangerous and more pervasive than in the con concept, the global concept of personal finance and what it takes to be successful and be wealthy. So this book is intended to help people either pop the bubble or deal with the repercussions of the bubble that's already been popped for them by their disintegrating holdings, 401ks, future um, security, and sense of retirement. Mm -hmm. And it seems like what you're what you're kind of doing is is challenging the American dream to some degree, right? Like, because I think the American dream was built upon these notions that created all these different investments, personal finance related and or company related, right? Like, what you know, what do you do? You invest in school and you go get a job and you get, you know, you live the, 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 the perfect life with a white picket fence and a dog and, a, and two kids and a minivan. And you, you kind of work hard and, and that's the best way to, you know, to, to be wealthy. And I think a yeah. lot of people today, people particularly my age, um, are feeling like this is this is not true. This is like, wait a second, maybe there's an American nightmare here that's going on, and and something is happening. Um, you know, how? What do you? What are your thoughts on the American dream? What are your thoughts on whether or not it's alive and well, or whether or not people should be pursuing it? And how do how do people? I mean, what should we like? What should we be measuring wealth in? How how can we measure wealth in a different way? Uh, that might kind of, you know, that still accounts for dollars and cents, but that also brings into account other uh, forms of riches, I guess. Well, the, one of the first headlines in the introduction of the book is the, the American dream requires you to be asleep. You know, mm. you're gonna, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that we are, we are starting to prefer awakening to, to being asleep to, um, you know, handing our power over to other people to basically entrusting um, the, the greediest and least conscious people on the planet, entrusting them uh, with our future versus taking our, our future into our own hearts and our own hands. Um, you know, something that, that uh, my co-author, Michael Ellsberg, who is uh, also author of the book, um, The Education of Millionaires, which totally challenged the notion that if you go to college, that ensures that you have a healthy career because that doesn't do that. And he he popped that American dream in that book, and then was the perfect co-author for me, uh, bringing you know bringing this idea to me of how can we look at wealth differently? Because what we noticed is that the people we consider to be wealthiest and ha have highest prestige, um, yes, they do have access to funds, they do have money. Uh, they do have um, they do have uh, the means to execute their vision for the for themselves and for their loved ones and for the planet. However, the, those means are not all necessarily like owned by them, and they're certainly not measured by excess. You know, two private jets is not better than one mm -hmm. in, in the people that we think are the most wealthy. Um, you know, two Ferraris is not better than one. Um, and all of the symbols, the Rolex watch, the, all of the symbols of excess and of luxury, we notice are disappearing from the people that we consider to be mo most wealthy and from among the millionaires and billionaires that we've been fortunate enough to interact with, from the billionaires who are most happy. You know, there's the maniacally insane almost sociopathic billionaire, 
profile who is chasing more and more money. Which but there's also really yeah. truly remarkable, but and they do exist. We know they yeah. exist, but totally, yeah. totally. So, so there's that profile of billionaire, uh, but there's also the profile of billionaire who has created something so valuable and accumulated so much wealth that their entire dedication is to how can they be of service to the greatest number of people as, as deeply as they can be. Um, and that, you know, I would say the first billionaire is not wealthy and the second one is. So the, the, the definition of true wealth that we um, zeroed in on is your ability to continually and repeatedly create the experiences for yourself and the people you love that you cherish most. That you desire most mm. and those experiences often require some financial investment but they are impossible to be purchased without the other kinds of non-financial investment as well yeah. um, so you talk uh, you know I, I i kind of you know went through your book and, and read some different chapters and kind of uh saw at one point you mentioned that there's almost like a financial ecosystem that is going on that kind of refuels your ability or your kind of like a new way of being wealthy, correct? And so, out of that financial ecosystem, only one of those elements is money. Yes. So maybe walk us through that financial ecosystem. And what do you mean by, you know, how can, how can let's say, somebody invest their money that they earn now, no matter what means, whether they have a nine to five or whether they're an entrepreneur or whatever it is, and move through this ecosystem so that it kind of feeds back in a, in a kind of like a closed loop, right? You know, I, I'm involved, obviously, in, in a lot of organic farming when it comes to the Valhalla movement. I, you know, obviously, I do a lot of storytelling. I do podcasts, of course. Everyone who's listening knows this. But um, I also think it's very important that we invest in our future. I think, to, to me, the version of sustainability uh, that I've come to understand is long-term thinking. And the way one of the key notions that has really driven me towards particularly you know small scale organic farming is the 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 ideas of what we call permaculture right mm -hmm. permanent culture by planting in a way that you build an ecosystem a real true ecosystem that actually helps one another so as opposed to planting i don't know gmo corn and soya and then having to deal with all the pests by by spraying them and and kind of constantly worrying about your your i guess your investment if you want to see it that way um then what's interesting is that you can invest in other things that are related to the, let's say, the tomato plant that you would like to grow because tomatoes grow really, really, really well with basil. And all of a sudden they grow really well with, with asparagus too. And so it people, tastes good with basil too. I and know. it does. Exactly. It's <laughs> ironic that it works that way, but it, it actually creates an ecosystem there. The basil actually helps repel some of the pests that would have attacked the tomatoes in the first place. Yeah. And so it's like that ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah, and mustard with the grapevines, right? The the, the wine uh, wine making grapes and mustard go really well together. Exactly. Exactly. So there's so many different examples of this in nature, and yet how many of us are truly applying this kind of systematic thinking and this this kind of ecosystem like thinking to other elements of our, of our life, particularly money? Because you know people say money doesn't grow on trees, but it kind of grows like an in, like it does in an ecosystem. And if you really understand how you can truly invest yourself in that kind of ecosystem of wealth, uh, what I've noticed is I don't worry about money anymore because I, I consistently reinvest it. And, and I want to, you know, obviously get to the question of what is that investment and what their answer is to that. But first, talk to me a little bit about that financial ecosystem and what that looks sure. like. Well, and, and it's also that's the, this idea of a financial ecosystem is at the heart of why the current 
thinking about money and success is so broken. Because if you take a system and you optimize one part of the system at the expense of everything else, the system fails. Like if you imagine like a car engine, if you were to optimize just, just the spark plugs so that they are the sparkiest, most powerful spark plugs possible, um, eventually the, the size and energy of those spark plugs is going to start to degrade the engine performance until the engines just won't function because it'll, it'll, everything will be just trying to make the spark plug as powerful as possible. That's not the objective of the engine, right? The objective of the engine is locomotion. Um, so when you have a part of the system optimized and sacrificing the other parts, then the objective of the system degrades. This is what we have in the financial ecosystem. The uh, objective of your money is not money. The objective of money is for you to have experiences, maybe financial security, maybe luxury, maybe prestige, maybe uh, you want to feel powerful, maybe you want to feel attractive. Mm -hmm. But the, those experiences are, are the reason why you want the money. So if you sacrifice those experiences in order to get money, the number one reason people want money is some version of financial freedom, so they want freedom. The number one thing people sacrifice in order to have money is freedom. Yep. So you're, you're sacrificing the purpose of the system in order to get a part of it going. It's insane. Which is absolutely ridiculous because it, it, it exactly, like, I mean, I, I really need to stop you there for a second because somebody listening to this recognize that if you are in this pattern, where you are sacrificing your freedom and therefore your time and your energy consistently towards trying to make money and use that as your end, like, oh, the goal is more money, you're going to be in a, you're in a lost cause because you're always going to want more money. You're always going to want more of it because it's just never going to be satisfying because as your standard of living, quote unquote, and, and you know even that is arguable, rises with the amount of money that you, tr you truly create, then all you start doing is wanting the next thing, wanting and chasing after that next peace and and we i mean i think it's it's becoming more and more obvious that materialism is is not working out for most of us <laughs> and and we need to find a way to to break that system so anyway i'll let you continue but yes sure. complete insanity of course so let me walk through this the uh, a financial ecosystem the 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 whole financial ecosystem it can be summarized by uh, we'll start with money that's the um, one that most people i think can identify with easiest then the experience, uh, the experiences that you have uh, that you can get from uh, uh, acquiring or using that money, so uh, life experience of some kind, uh, and then uh, the ability to convert that life experience into self-development. So you don't just become a consumer of experience, but you actually have the experiences that you're having impact you, so that you are permanently. It different in the future, so that your ability to experience things in the future is altered by the experiences you're having. It's mm -hmm. absolutely key. Uh, and then for you to convert that self-development, where you're now a greater version of yourself, into contribution, so that you can actually be valuable to other humans, mm -hmm. um, and that the experiences that you've had create you as a different kind of person, which allow you to create a different kind of value to others, and then your ability to convert being valuable to others back into money. Mm -hmm. And that, that creates the cycle where if, if you have the skills to, to not only to make money, but to, to spend it in a way where you actually get the experiences that you wanted to get from it. And then where you 
not just have those experiences, but allow them to affect you in such a way that you grow and develop. And you've got the skill of how to self-develop. Uh, and then you also have the skill of how to take that development and make it into contribution and the understanding of how to take contribution and convert it into, um, into value to other people that, where there's remuneration, where, there, where money is kind of the natural outpouring of what occurs when you're being that kind of contribution. And then, like you said, it, it almost is as if it grows on trees. It just grows all around you because you're naturally creating value everywhere. You don't have to account for the value that you're creating. You just create so much of it that money's coming in from every which, every which direction. Yep. And that, that is what we call a self-amplifying financial ecosystem, which uh, is the acronym SAFE in the title of the book, The Last Safe Investment. I mean, that to me means it makes so much sense. And, you know, I get this question all the time. I, you know, obviously I do some... Uh, coaching and, and consulting. I run uh, Superhero Academy at this online school. And one of the questions I get all the time is, how can I earn money doing this? How can I make a living doing this kind of stuff? And, and the, how can I make a living doing this is a better question, I think. But when somebody asks me the question, how can I earn money? Like, what's the way that I can monetize this right away? I immediately have to stop them and say, well, wait a second. You're asking yourself the wrong question. You know, how to me, the question has always been, how do you create value? How can I offer my gift further and how can my gift be worth more? And if my gift is worth more and more and more and more, that's kind of the, the piece of the system that allows money, like you said, to, to pour in from all, from all sides, right? As opposed to me chasing some specific dollar, some specific thing, I, I recognize that my gift is amplified by myself, right? Mm -hmm. And I know, and not to spoil, you know, any, any of the, 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 you know, the punchline of what really is the safest investment, but I know that. I am responsible for that gift, right? I am responsible for in, investing in the, the kind of the, the growth of my own ability to give. And it yeah. sounds so crazy because people are approaching this from a perspective of take, right? Everyone is going around asking how much they can possibly take. Uh, okay, can I take here? Can I take here? Is that an opportunity for me to take more? And I truly let people know that you will always be poor, if you are constantly going around asking for more, right? If you're asking for more, you're going to be poor. But if you're asking to give more, if you're, if you're looking to, to provide further, then people will always turn to you in a way of showing appreciation, whether it be immediately or in the future or whether it just be cosmically, it, the, the world will just start to provide for you. And the exact same way that you're providing for others. So, well, and, and all of the people, like if you get uh, connected with people who have um, financial resources and goals, and you further their goals, well, of course those financial resources are going to be deployed in your favor. I mean, that's just natural. Yeah. Um, it's not like, it's, it, it, you don't have, it, there is a sort of a spiritual karmic um, uh, 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 dance at play as well, but you don't even have to look at it from that perspective to see it, it function on a pure cause and effect. Wow, you're at point A, you want to be at point B, I can help you get there. Point B is worth a lot of money to you, and you're willing to invest in getting there. Great, we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, anything that you're passionate about that drives you, that, it, that you love, there's someone else in the world for whom that, that's the exact thing they need to get to their point B. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There's always somebody seeking your gift or seeking what you what you have to offer and what you know. Even though you might not be at the top of the of the ranks, you might not be the black belt in in Taekwondo or something. It just because you're not the black belt doesn't mean that you wherever you're at in the ranks that you can't teach somebody who's at a belt that is trying to move up to your belt level. You know That's what right. I mean? So there's yeah, always something yeah. to turn around, and there's always somebody who's who's at the starting position, right? There's always somebody who's not the entrepreneur yet, and if you are, you can turn around and, and do that. So now you bring up you bring up an interesting point there because you're talking about you know you're hinting at sort of expertise or capability. Yeah. And I think that that actually gets to one of the great misconceptions about self-investment. You know, okay, once you realize, wow, I, I'm in control it, and that's a safer investment than investing something else. Not only that, but um, it's it's possible for me to increase my earning power by a thousand times in three years. It's impossible or, or five years or ten years even. It's impossible to expect a, a thousand times increase in any other asset class like real estate or gold or stock market. So the possible, the possibility of increase of increase is just way, way, way greater, and it's completely within your control. And not only that, there's a set of investments that that are, for most people, for eighty percent of the people who try them, they will work, which is unlike any other asset class. You, you know, uh, there are studies that show. Um, something like 96 or 97 percent of the people who invest in the stock market actually lose money. Oh, Amazing. Uh, and that's taken across all decades. If you only look at certain decades, uh, you know, <laughs> then everybody appears to be making money. But when you take it over the entire uh, length of their investment adjusted for inflation and and fees, it's just it's just not a pretty picture. But uh, so, but. You can't just invest in being good at what you do or being valuable um, and expect that to operate inside a self financial a self amplifying financial ecosystem. You Absolutely. also you also need to develop uh, what we call super skills, mm -hmm. which are the skills the set of skills that enhance the value of all other skills. So you know we talked earlier about the systems and systemic thinking. This is applying systemic thinking to your value or to your skill set. There are about 22 super skills that we outline in the book, The Last Safe Investment, which each one of them are the kind of thing anyone can learn. Uh, you don't have to be of extraordinary charisma or intelligence or have any special gifts to get good at it. You can invest dollars in courses and teachers and other ways of learning them. And there's a very high probability of them having a massive positive impact on your ability to apply your value to other people in a way that it creates money back for you. Mm. So, so let's dive into one of those for a second. Like obviously, anybody who's, who's listening to this at this point, if you haven't caught on yet, the safest investment is you. The safest investment is in the asset of your own skill set, your own knowledge, your, and, and, and also the extension of you, which would I would probably, you know, I like to call a community or tribe or whatever. So obviously yes. all of that it, it extends to that is the best investment and by far. But I love this idea of super skills and I have a different word for it. But, I, you know, I would love to, to hear or maybe dive into one example of a super skill that somebody can learn, like you said, right now. Or they can, you know, they can easily invest or they can easily find a way to figure out how to learn this skill that you would see, you know, the path of empowerment, you know, playing out for them. Because I think a lot of people are, they don't know what that super skill is. They're, 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 you know, at the moment, they're probably thinking, oh, well, I should go to school or I should go take some training at my job or 
maybe I should get an MBA. You know, I went to school, but I didn't go high enough. I didn't get the, a big enough degree. So, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the path. And I would love for you to bring, break it down into something that is so much simpler than that, because I, you know, I can, I can think of some of these super skills and I, you know, I have some of them in front of me, but I would love for you to just pick one and, and, you know, maybe we'll, let's run with an example on that. Sure. So the, um, uh, for the first thing to notice about the super skills is that they fall into four categories. Uh, so super skills can, you know, one way of conveying value to other people is interpersonally, like between just like you and them talking. So an example of um, uh, interpersonal skills are like leadership or sales or you know things that in where you're creating value by basically talking with other people. Uh, the second category would be the creative super skills. So these are where you're drawing on your creativity and your ability to be creative uh, is creating value for other people. Um, uh, you know, copywriting is an example of this, where you're write, writing in a very particular way that actually creates um, uh, that actually creates value and, and inspires action in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, the next category would be technical super skills. Now this is, I love this one because so many people think that they're not a technical person. And uh, you count yourself out of so much value when you think of yourself as not a technical person because all technical really means is that you understand the truth about how something really works, Mm -hmm. which gives you the power over using it. So, you know, uh, technical, technical super skills have to do with your willingness to keep going towards truth. And in some ways, it's a spiritual pursuit in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last set are the physical super skills. Um, you know, I, I'm on day 25 right now of a 30-day uh, cleanse, uh, amazing cleanse, um, juicing and raw food. It just has this regiment by Dr. Schultz. It's just incredible. And that's part of me investing in my longevity, vitality, mental focus, which are super underrepresented as financial assets. But if I'm able to have a healthy working life that's 10 or 15 years longer than someone else, then that represents an amazing amount of earning power. Um, Absolutely, because the last years of your life are the most profitable generally, right? Like even in a traditional job. Totally, exactly. So, and not just adding to my, like, how many years I'm hanging on, like with one hand on the on the defibrillator, and the you know, another, <laughs> with the other hand on an IV or like oxygen, <laughs> but, but adding to the vital years of life where where you feel so young that even if you had all the money in the world, you wouldn't dare retire because you haven't given your gift fully yet, mm-hmm. you know. And so taking care, you know, the physical super skills have to do with both taking care of making sure that you're around. Uh, and vital long enough, but also even every morning when you wake up, when you apply yourself to a task, do you have the mental acuity and focus to do it fully? Um, do you have a clean, healthy appearance so that people automatically assume they can trust you? You know, all those kinds of things. So those are the physical super skills. And, um, you know, I mentioned a few. Why don't you, uh, why don't you pick one that you think is interesting for the readers and we'll dive in. Well, I mean, look, I, I think, you know, even beyond picking one for the readers, I'm going to pick, I'm going to kind of dive into some of this on my own, which is, you know, and awesome. maybe give it, I'll give it, yeah, you know what, I'll give my own example, which is, I used to call these magic wands, hmm. okay, I would call them magic wands, they're, they're skills that were allow you to get into, like, 
any scenario and they are, they're super highly leverageable, enormously valuable to basically anyone. And in fact, you guys are listening to one right now. <laughs> I think podcasting is a magic wand. I believe it is truly an easy way. It's such a simple medium. It's like, you know, there's a technical piece to it. There's a creative piece to it as well. But it's such a simple, easy skill to pick up. And I offer value by having you as a guest and being able to come on here and, you know, be able to, to, to share the knowledge that you've accumulated, to share, you know, more about what your, your book is all about. But beyond even that, just to share your character and show so much more in depth than, you know, just a quick little, uh, you know, 500 word, 600 word blog on some, on some, you know, a website somewhere. It allows such a great interaction, a conversational flow, and it allows me to invite people who wouldn't have talk to me otherwise to be a guest on the podcast. You know, like I use this to talk to Simon Sinek, a great author as well, and, and, and uh, Peter Diamandis. So, you know, you're, you're one of many amazing authors that have had, and all of that worked because they were out there with, you know, they had a need, they needed something, you know, wanted to do a, a promo tour of their new books or whatever it was. And they took the time to sit down and, and actually join this podcast. So, a small investment, which to me required, you know, look, I have a nice little mic and you can hear it here. I've got a nice <laughs> little soundboard and I've got a little standing desk and I've got, you know, I've got a little setup for my podcast. And I also invested in the team. So not only did I decide, okay, you know, at first when I ran the podcast, I did everything myself. Okay. I started, I, I you know, I, I edited, I, I cut it together. I put the ads in, I, I posted it on SoundCloud. I did this, I did the promo and did everything. Now I'm at the point where I actually, because I did that, because I had kind of learned the entire process, I built a much more effective process where it now takes me less time, much less time than it used to before. And the impact of, of which I can spread this podcast goes way beyond where it was before. So not only did I invest in myself, but then I also invested in my tribe. And then the way I see it is their pockets are my pockets too, right? Yeah. Like if they get richer, then I am richer because their success as an individual, if they're part of the tribe that I see myself as, their success is my success. You know, the more that, you know, the more that somebody I coach or the more that somebody I employ, the more that somebody I work with, the more that somebody even I'm friends with does, the more that I feel like I gained too. And I, and I truly did in a very tangible way in some cases, but I also did in, in just a, a way of like, you know, I'm surrounding myself with amazing people and these amazing people, they influence me. And, you know, people don't know this, but one of the companies that I just opened up over the holidays is, is called Wisdom, the eco lifestyle design firm, you know, designing eco houses. This was a skill. This is something that I, I actually learned from you. You told me that I should separate it, for example. So by being friends with you, you separated from Valhalla, okay, it shouldn't be the same organization that they should operate under different brands because they have different audiences and, and also yeah, anyways. Yeah. yeah, so and and so without diving too far into that, the point is that just by by having provided value to you, you providing value to me, we've created a mutual exchange where both of us are wealthier. And we yep. didn't have to exchange any dollars and cents. Both yeah. of us got, both of us gained so much. So these super skills to me, I call them magic wands. I, another example that I, I had learned was a videography. I learned video and photo. And it was a much more technical of a skill as well. But I used that in, in line with creative skills and, and different kind of skills that I, I created. I leveraged that so easily to get into events or into situations where I shouldn't have been again, like where, where I just, I hadn't reached that status, let's say in the rankings just yet, 
but I got upgraded into it because I was able to provide some value to somebody who was hosting an event or something, you know? So it was amazing the kind of connections and the doors that it opened by learning some basic skills that took very little time, like in the grand scheme of things, for me to be able to learn, but it became enormously empowering to me. So, you know, I see those as super skills for me, and, and I'm telling you, it changed everything in my life. It allowed me to to really leverage and understand that concept of leveraging uh, further as well. Well, you know, I want to point out some things about your podcast example because um, there, there's, a, there's a part in the book where we talk about a thing called systemic spending. And, and when you apply systemic spending to your podcast example, you can see how someone could actually take the advice of doing a podcast and still not be developing the right skill. Yeah. Uh, and end up not getting the benefit of doing it. Yeah. The main way uh, uh, that they can do that is by succumbing to what we call compartmentalized thinking, which is so prevalent. And it's basically thinking that once you decide to do a podcast, that you're going to try to do the best podcast you can, and that you're going to measure the success of the podcast based on the podcast's own properties. In other words, how good is it? How much do you like it? How well was the good was the recording? How many listen, listeners did you get? Mm-hmm. And that would be natural, right? You're going to do a podcast. Obviously, you want to do it right. Of course. Um, but if you apply systemic spending, all the investments that you talked about actually don't return. They're not a good investment. They don't return anything if all you end up with is a good podcast. Absolutely. They, they only create returns in your life if you measure the podcast success by its impact on every other area of your life. Exactly. Your, love, your financial life, your your business contacts, your networking, your access to the people that you want to have access to, the success of the Valhalla Project, right? All, so when you take, uh, when you measure the podcast based on its impact on those other things and you're optimizing your expenditures for how does it affect everything else, Let's say you've got 10 areas of your life, roughly speaking, mm-hmm. um, and you do a thing like a podcast, and it increases each area by one unit of goodness. We'll call that one, right? Sure. Um, instead of compartmentalized thinking, where you invest in the podcast and you get one unit of goodness in the area of podcast, if it affects every other area, you get nine units of goodness mm-hmm. because it's affected every other one. So that same dollar amount of investment gives you a nine instead of a one. When you multiply that by all of your uh, investments so that everything you're doing is measured by how it impacts everything else, you start to build that ecosystem, that systemic thinking, uh, which is a very, you know, it's like applying permaculture to your own time and money. Absolutely. And, and, and I, you know, it's funny because if you want to go down back to the podcast again, it's like, I don't use this podcast to really make any money. In fact, almost all the money I make from it, if not, not even almost all the money I make from it and more, even at this stage, even though I'm. I'm, I'm like 50 some odd episodes in. I actually reinvest every single dollar of it back into the podcast, almost like an ecosystem. And, and like I said, I, I, I didn't even talk about how many viewers I got I, or what this did for my business or how much traffic it generated to my websites. What it really did, like I said, is it, it provided me a, 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 le- a lever, like a leverage into different areas. Like you said, b- business networking or being able to invite a guest that I couldn't have spoken to before or be able to just create credibility and say, hey, you know what? I can teach a class on podcasting, which I did. You know, So I ended up having somebody come to me and they were, they were looking for some consulting and marketing and they're like, yeah, we're considering doing podcasting. And I'm like, actually, I know the exact path to doing this. I took and I invested in myself. I invested in learning, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Lee Dumas, 
who ended up also having a guest on a podcast mm -hmm. coming out. But he's like the world's best podcaster in the sense that his consistency, his flow, and his systematic thinking of going about it, I think, is, is phenomenal. So I modeled myself a little bit off him. I invited him as a guest on the podcast because I was able to leverage other guests that I had had before, and he said yes. And beyond all of that, I, I kind of was able to realize that I can create a scenario where I was able to earn way more dollars from one consulting gig than I would have ever done had I just focused on monetizing my podcast. Had That's I right. just focused on saying, oh, how many can I, how can I amplify the number of people who see this so I get more money directly into this thing and I take that money and I take it out of this investment and go and spend it elsewhere. And the reality is that I don't see any business or anything that I do that way. I always see every business and every kind of individual section of what I do. And that's why I'm able to run five organizations as separate little entities, but that completely overlap, almost like a Mandela, the next one, right? There's, yes. there's a, this point of reference, there's this point, this common piece. And that piece is generally myself and my talent. Uh, I would say it's also storyline as well. There's so many different things to that. But, but that is a, there's a common overlap where any one of these that work, any one of these that start to rise helps make all of them rise, like you said. And so measuring that goodness, not in just, hey, I'm starting a podcast and make money right here and right now for this thing and then pulling this money out. I don't think that that's successful. I think if you even look at the people who do manage money on a more traditional scale of like, I don't know, portfolio management, what they do is they take the money that they earned and they leave it in there to help it grow and grow and grow and grow. And that's in fact how billionaires and in real estate and all this stuff do it, right? They, they take money, they re-leverage, they use that leverage of the Donald Trump model to, you know, you have one house, you leverage that to buy two, you buy two foot four and so on and so forth. And it's all this, this crazy system of doing that kind of stuff. But doing that with yourself and your own skills like you said the investment on that is tenfold like i have real estate investments i have portfolio stock investments and they don't perform nearly as much as i do uh, you know i I've, I've been able to double my salary for four years straight more than double my salary four years in a row and doubling from not from the original one but from every year year upon year so that kind of investment in myself is truly there and this is why i really support what you're saying here of a systematic approach but also the, really the investment in yourself i really really resonate with this message uh yeah there's uh, there's one last um one last thing i want to bring up for for our listeners and for you because um one initial response sometimes when you hear this is well yeah but the whole point of like a retirement account is that i can retire one day you know <laughs> and if, if you're saying invest in my skills then I just keep have to using the be using those skills or that dreaded uh, trading your time for money. You know, everyone <laughs> is trying so actively trying to avoid. Um, you have to do that in order to get the money, and then when you stop doing that, you run out of money and die. So that that's kind of the fear that the old way of thinking has injected into our consciousness and in, and has us, you know, has many people be reluctant to. Uh, embrace what obviously is the more the superior way and the more holistic view and I just wanted to speak to that just one bit which is two things first of all um, I, I totally think that we all should have equity in other things we should have both formal and informal equity meaning mm -hmm. we should have a stock agreements where we own a piece of other companies and we also should have um, uh, you know 
friendships and trust and the kinds of relationships where if we want to go spend a week in a house in Ibiza, we know a friend who lives there who can't wait to host us for a week. So we have this informal equity that can be traded in for the kinds of retirement experiences that don't require any additional uh, value exchange in order to make happen. Mm -hmm. um, the difference is, though, rather than investing in things outside of your control and trusting people who may not be aligned with your vision of the future uh, to create those experiences and create the ability for you to do that for you, which, by the way, they've absolutely proven that they are incapable of doing that for most people. Mm. Uh, you know, Wall Street has just failed Main Street again and again and again. Oh, I was, I mean, one of the statistics I was reading. Uh Money Mastering the Game by, by Tony Robbins, he was talking about how 96% of mutual fund investors do not beat like the S&P 500, do not basically yeah. fail consistently. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like I can't believe that everyone is just running to put their money where they think it's safest, ironically. And like you said, I mean, a decade, you know, if you, if you had invested in the stock market years and years and years ago, the truth is you probably didn't really even make that much money. You really didn't get pretty much anywhere. Adjusted for inflation, S&P has, has risen 1.95% in the last 15 years. Wow. Which is like worse than a savings account when I was in, you know, when I was 19. Absolutely. Um, that 1.9% every 15 years will never add up to the compounded interest that is going to, uh, is going to work. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so these, these money managers are being bonus tens of millions of dollars mm -hmm. uh, for failing to beat the S&P. So... Absolutely, you know, the, the, but the, the two things happen, I think, in my version of retirement. One is um, you're making uh, the kind of contribution that you absolutely love, that you're not doing for money, and you found work that's so enriching and so enlivening that you, it's not like you can't wait to, wait to quit. It, again, if you, if, you had, if you were a billionaire, you'd still be working. And many of the billionaires that I know are still working, not because they have to, not because they're greedy, but because they want to contribute. They're driven by contribution. And if you are of sound, sound mind and body and you're driven by contribution, you're going to do that. Also, over time, I see people gravitating towards more and more interpersonal and perhaps creative skills where they're rewarded just for having conversations or just for um, thinking about an idea, which are things that you can do uh, quite into your advanced age. And then lastly, you've invested over your career in so many people, so many younger people than you, so many projects uh, driven by young leaders who you're passing on some of the hard-earned lessons that you've earned, you're passing them on to them, and they've given you a small piece of those projects uh, at, just as gratitude, which will start to happen even if you don't ask for it, that you've got plenty of you know, equity, which isn't dependent on even a conversation to uh, care for you. And lastly, if there's something catastrophic that you, uh, that, that where you need care, you've built such an incredible network of friends, uh, a tribe of what we might call chosen family, that we are a heart-based insurance policy where, you know, the 150 to, to 600 people that we're enmeshed with, that we've helped along our entire life, uh, you, you know, co-create uh, the, the, the community to which you and I both belong. If one of us is really in need, the community comes to help based on our heart relationship, not based on some financial contract. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, 
there's just no doubt about the fact that going into any scenario and recognizing that there are there's a multitude of different ways and paths that we can all take and different skills that we can all invest in to to growing our wealth but unless we are seeing it from a bigger picture perspective we're not going to truly kind of you know we're not going to see we're not going to really be able to understand this um and how this is going to make us wealthy and i think a lot of this boils down to planning i think a lot of this boils down to like literally taking a moment to step outside of your situation and plan accordingly to the different types of investments that you're making what percentage of money is going towards different things percentage of time and effort not just money right other resources that i would consider wealth uh or even more wealth really um what are you you know how are you doing that how are you truly planning and kind of leveraging and, and using these systems and how are you using one kind of fire right like one thing that you invest in to start multiple fires because so many of us have different shades of expression, right? I, I, I speak to one of my buddies, his name is Ryan Schwartz. I work with him uh, on, a, on a great, you know, uh, partnership kind of level. And he talks about different levels of expression and different forms of expression, whether it be as a son or a daughter, whether it be as a, as a student or a worker, whether it be as an entrepreneur, whatever version of ourself, even a lover, right? We have different ways of expressing ourselves and we need to be investing in so many of these different facets um, and all of them, every single one of them, including our health, including our, how we show up as a lover, all of those things to me speak to how you yourself are going to continue to grow. And I like to say a phrase that says, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. Right? How you do anything is how you do everything because if you invest in anything with your full heart, with your full attention, with the full notion of giving and, 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 and kind of providing for your tribe, then I know, and I am the first-hand witness to this because I, I started a giant social experiment in my own life with starting the Valhalla Movement, that when I invested in other people, when I trusted other people, I, I found that that was super, super, super empowering. And so how you do anything is how you do everything. So that being said, Brian, what is the... You know, what is the last thing that somebody can do listening to this right here, right now, that they can start to invest in themselves? What's the first thing they need to do beyond obviously going out there and picking up a copy of this book? I guarantee you guys, you're going to love it. I'm pouring through it right, right now myself. Uh, I'm seeing tons of insights, even though I understand some of these concepts at the basic level. Sitting down and taking the time to plan and actually to think about what are my super skills? What are the things that I'm creating? How is my ecosystem doing? By having removed myself out of it and actually even just through reading this book, I've been able to upgrade in my own frame of mind in the last couple of days. So what, what can somebody listening to this right now do? What action can they take? And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll end with that. I think the, the first thing that I would do, I'll, I'll give you a mindset thing and like a super physical thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, the mindset thing is to, to take a step back and think about the aesthetic that you want for your life. Like, not, not all the things you want to fill your life with, not all the content, oh, I want this kind of a house or this kind of a car, but what is the aesthetic? What does it feel like? Mm. What is, and, and really look at, like, what am I driving towards? You know, what's more, is, what's more important than money? 
is there anything more important than love? What's more important than that? What's more important than happiness? What's more, you know, just keep asking yourself, what actually do you want it to feel like to be living inside of your life? And then look at all of the things you've got accumulated, whether they're relationships or commitments or obligations or uh, things or homes or cars, whatever, and ask yourself, well, does that actually support that aesthetic mm. or does, does it not? Mm -hmm. um, and that's the first thing that I would do. Um, and then, which is kind of a mindset thing. The, the super like nuts and bolts is I'd go to your last bank statement or your last credit card statement or both. And by each item that you spent, and you could do this for a couple of months, um, right next to it, the experience that you were hoping that you would have by spending that money. So maybe you bought a particular meal uh, and it wasn't the cheapest meal or whatever. You, maybe you went to... Um, uh, you went to Whole Foods for lunch. Well, why did you pick Whole Foods? What was the experience that you were hoping to have around that meal uh, that, that is associated with that money? And then ask yourself whether you actually got that experience or not. Interesting. And this will teach you how good you are at spending money in order to get experiences and then actually getting the experiences that you want, were trying to pay for. Mm. And... What, what, if you're like most people, what you'll find is, especially on larger purchases, it's very unlikely that you actually got the experience you were hoping for for more than a few minutes. Wow. And so that should teach you about your own spending. And how, not that you should spend less or scrimp or save the way that Wall Street wants to tell you so that they can take more fees from your 401k. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Uh, I, we ask you to spend differently, not spend less but spend differently and spend effectively. Make sure that you learn how to create those experiences that you actually want for yourself and spend money on things that actually deliver those experiences. And that's, that's the second thing I would recommend to do is that kind of that, that what we call a happiness exchange rate audit where you would go through and look at your bank statements and do that. I love it. I love it. That makes so much sense. Everyone listening here, thank you so much for listening to myself and Brian, but more so, please go out and pick up a copy of the book. Where can they find this book, Brian? Uh, they can find it, um, you know, the, probably the easiest is to go to www.safeplan.org. There's links you can buy the book from many different booksellers. Of course, it's on Amazon, it's uh, Barnes & Noble, it's all over the country right now. Right. Uh, it's also in Chinese and two other languages. I think we're, you know, there's the other uh, versions are starting to ro roll in. Amazing. Um, but, also at safeplan.org, uh, we can give you a free actual, the, the safe plan itself, which you can download for free, and also a free true wealth calculator where you can learn what your current standing is with respect to what we consider true wealth. And then that will give you kind of an even further personalized guide to how to use the super skills and the other investments that are listed in the book um, for, you know, to maximize your investment now and kind of customize your plan, which is working exactly for you. And I can speak to this. I've been looking into this. I've been kind of putting this together as I'm reading the book and I'm, as I'm absorbing all of this. Uh, worth every ounce of energy that you're going to put into it will pay off endlessly for the you know small dollars and cents that it will cost you to get this book and to make this you know the time that it's going to take to do this. So, thank you so much again for being a guest on the podcast, uh, guys. Don't remember, don't forget. Sorry, don't remember. I want you to remember to like, comment, subscribe. If you have questions for myself or Brian, leave them in the comments. It helps more people see it, and we will do our best to answer them. 
thank you yet again, Brian, and uh, much love and appreciation for all the work that you're doing and for the love and light that you're spreading on the, on the planet and the universe today. And thank you to you for the same. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, you know, listen, I love you. I love the work you're doing. And anything we can do to co-create and support is uh, exciting for me. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Bye.